For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom. I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject Patterns of Exile and Redemption in Exodus. This is part six of the series. Now we're going to look at the principles of exile in redemption regarding the process in which it evolves. In Exodus chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, we are told where Moses is to tell the elders of Israel that Yahweh is going to redeem his people. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say unto them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and Jacob, appeared unto me, saying, I have surely visited you, those are the words of redemption, and seen that which is done to you in Egypt. And I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt under the land of the Canaanite, unto a land flowing with milk and honey. And they shall hearken to your voice, and you will come, you and the elders of Israel, unto the king of Egypt, and you will say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now let us go, we beseech you, three days' journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. We are going to parallel what happens here with the parable that Yeshua spoke about of the sower that sows the word. In Mark chapter 4 verse 3 it says, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow, the sower sows the word. This is going to tell us the process of redemption, which we can apply to our personal lives when Yahweh speaks a word to us, which we are to obey and believe and follow it, this will tell you the process of how ultimately that word will become manifested in your life and the events that will take place in the process. So when it says the sower sows the word, what is the word? The word is the Torah. The God of Israel had Moses to tell Pharaoh, let my people go, so he sowed the word. Next, what happens is that the people believe Moses. Exodus chapter 4, verses 29 through 31. And Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the children of Israel. And Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken unto Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. Notice, signs were done in the sight of the people and as a result of the signs being done, all the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction, then they bowed their heads and worshipped. The personal application of this is when the God of Israel speaks to you a word and tells you what he's going to be doing in your life, what he will do first 
is he will encourage you. He will give you a confirmation. He will encourage you through what we might regard as a sign. A sign is just a confirmation, never how he chooses to do it. He will confirm his word to you, and thus you will believe what he had just said, what he's got to do in your life. Moses goes to Pharaoh and asks him that the children of Israel could celebrate Passover. Exodus chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. Exodus chapter 5, verse 2, Pharaoh says, I will not let Israel go. So Moses and Aaron said, But the God of the Hebrews has met with us. We ask you, let us go three days' journey and sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Pharaoh rejects the word of Yahweh. Exodus chapter 3, verse 19. I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. And Pharaoh said in Exodus chapter 5, verse 2, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Pharaoh go. So after the God of Israel speaks a word into your life of what he's going to do, which can be likened to a word of redemption, a word of promise, you get encouragement, and then you know what's going to follow the encouragement? Something negative will come that will create doubt and darkness upon that which he has spoken in your life, what he's going to do. What follows here is after the sign and the wonder, the encouragement that the people believed, then Pharaoh says, no, I'm not going to let you go. A conflict. So, Mark chapter 4, verse 15. These are they by the wayside where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan comes immediately to take away the word that was sown in their heart. This is where you see the negative aspect of it. What you will see after the negative comes is you'll see an increase of the negative. It's going to look like it ain't going to happen. So what did Pharaoh do to the Hebrews? He increased their burdens, which caused them to increasingly look like like that the God of Israel wasn't going to redeem his people. The situation got worse. Exodus chapter 5 verse 3 after the request is made to Pharaoh to let his people go. Pharaoh responds this way. Exodus chapter 5 verses 6 and 7 and verse 9. Pharaoh commanded the same day the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, you shall no more give the people straw to make brick as heretofore. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. Let more work be laid upon the men that they may labor therein and let them not regard vain words. So the the enemy has got to come and tell you that what the God of Israel said in your life is a vain word. It's not going to come to pass. Discouragement will come. After the word is given, after the Lord confirms his word, then the enemy has got to come to try to take that word away and negative things are going to happen and the conflict has got to be such that it looks worse than what it did originally. We are told in Mark chapter 4 verse 17 that persecution arises to test the word of Yahweh. In Exodus chapter 5, verses 10 and 11, we see the persecution that came after Moses goes to Pharaoh with the request from the God of Israel to let his people go. And the taskmasters of the people went out and their officers and they spoke to the people saying, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go ye, get you straw where you can find it, yet not aught of your work shall be diminished. So we see this from the parable of the sower, that this is what Yeshua says happens. 
This is an eternal principle of the kingdom. Mark chapter 4, verses 16 and 17. These are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness. They believe the signs that Moses did, but they have no root in themselves, and so endure but for a time, as long as things look positive and they're encouraged. But afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, that's Pharaoh saying no, that's the burdens being increased, that's the situation not looking favorable, then there's doubt that comes. You know, all your best Christian friends will come and say, well, you know, God really didn't mean that. You know, he's got something better for you. You know, there's something else. Consider something else. It doesn't look like it's got to work out. And so what do the children of Israel do? They question the leadership of Moses, which means they question the word of Yahweh, which you question that which Yahweh has spoken that he will do in your life. Exodus chapter 5, verses 19 through 21. And the officers of the children of Israel did see that they were in a bad situation, an evil case. After it was said, you shall not diminish aught from your bricks of your daily task. And they met Moses and Aaron who stood in the way as they came forth from Pharaoh. And they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge because you have made our savor to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants to put a sword in their hand to slay us. And Moses spoke so unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and cruel bondage. So the enemy will make it look like you're really nuts, even in the eyes of your friends, if you believe the word of Yahweh. Now, if you're not rooted in Yahweh, you'll become offended by the things that are happening around you, and you will end up not believing the word of Yahweh, which he's spoken into your life, and make a decision to do something else. So, in Mark chapter 4, verse 17, it says, they have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake, they are offended. So what did the children of Israel say to Moses? Now, look what you've done. You made life worse for us than what we had it before. They became offended. We're not only learning that this is how the God of Israel works in our personal lives, and this is a process of redemption, of how the redemption happens, but we can also learn another principle that the recognition of the word of Yahweh coming to pass in our lives comes in stages. In other words, there's a process that things go through before you see the promise that he's made in your life come to pass. In the book Sound the Great Shofar by Rabbi Menachem Schneerson on page 153, he writes, Our recognition of redemption comes in stages. When Moses first announced God's promise of redemption to the Jews in Egypt, they believed him and bowed to God in grateful acknowledgement. Exodus in chapter 4 verse 31. Nevertheless, when that promise did not materialize Immediately, they did not heed Moses because of broken spirits and hard labor. Exodus chapter 6 verse 9. Indeed, after the redemption had become a reality and the Jews had left the land of bondage, their spirits remained in exile. Then, if you will endure in belief through the affliction, the persecution, and things getting and looking worse, 
Yahweh will ultimately bring his word to pass and he'll do it in a miraculous way. So redemption comes by an outstretched arm. Exodus chapter 6 verses 6 and 7. Wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians and I will rid you out of their bondage and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great judgments. And I will take you to me for a people and I will be to you a God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, which brings you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Where it says, I will redeem you with a stretched out arm, the Strong's number is 2220. It's the Hebrew word Zeroah. Zeroah means an arm, or the word arm is used as a symbol of strength. So I will bring you out with strength. The right hand, or the arm, personifies the Messiah, or represents the Messiah. Psalm 42 verses 2 and 3 it is written how did you drive out the heathen with your hand and planted them how you did afflict the people and cast them out for they got not the land in possession by their own sword or their own ability or effort neither did their own arm save them but your right hand and your arm in the light of your countenance because you had a favor unto them notice favor or grace or mercy is the reason why the God of Israel redeems his people with a right hand and arm. Psalm 98 verse 1. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. A song is an allusion to the redemption. Sing a new song. For he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm has gotten him the victory. The Zeroah or arm is a term for the shank bone on the Passover plate. Isaiah 53 verse 1. Who has believed our report and to whom has the arm of the Lord revealed? The word arm is Zeroah and once again the shank bone on your Passover plate is called Zeroah or arm. It's a reference to the Messiah. So the God of Israel redeems his people by signs and wonders. Exodus chapter 7 verses 1 through 3. And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you a God to Pharaoh, and Aaron your brother shall be your prophet. You shall speak all that I command you, and Aaron your brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, that he send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart. In other words, another way you can look at hardening of Pharaoh's heart, the affliction and persecution that comes into your life that makes it look like that the word of Yahweh is not going to come true even though he promised it and he gave you encouragement. The reason why that happens is so that he can multiply his signs and his wonders in your life and it strengthen your faith in the God of Israel. In the Torah Anthology of the Twelve Prophets, Volume 2, page 387, we are told that the future redemption or the end of the exile of Jacob in the end of days is associated with the God of Israel doing marvelous things. The future redemption will be one great marvel. It will be marvelous even in the eyes of God who does wondrous things. Psalm 72 verse 18. For then the marvels will surpass all the marvelous things that occurred until now, both known and unknown. In the book Anticipating the Redemption, volume 2, page 101 by Rabbi Menachem Schneerson, quoting Micah chapter 7 verse 15 which says, As in the days of your exodus from Egypt, I will show the people wonders 
It is necessary to understand the future redemption will be far loftier than the redemption from Egypt. In the book, Anticipating the Redemption, volume 2, page 20, by Rebbe Menachem Schneerson, he writes, The core of the explanation is that there are two interpretations to the verse, Micah chapter 7, verse 15, As in the days of your exodus from Egypt, I will show the people wonders. The first explanation is that the future redemption will resemble the redemption from Egypt and will be characterized by overt miracles as that redemption was. Secondly, that the miracles that will characterize the future redemption will be considered wondrous even when compared to the miracles of the exodus from Egypt. The intent is that although in general the miracles of the future redemption will resemble those which accompanied the redemption from Egypt as the simple literal meaning of the verse, there will be a distinct advantage to the miracles of the future redemption, that's the end of the exile of Jacob and the end of days, to the extent that these miracles will be considered wondrous when compared to the miracles of the exodus. When redemption happens, the God of Israel makes a distinction between his people and those who he judges. Historically in Egypt, we find these words. Exodus chapter 8 verse 22, Exodus chapter 9 verse 4 and verse 6. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there to the end that you may know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth. And the Lord will sever or distinguish between the cattle of Israel and the cattle of Egypt. And there shall nothing die of all that is the children of Israel. And the Lord did that thing on the morrow and all the cattle of Egypt died, but the cattle of the children of Israel died not one. We can see this distinction in Exodus chapter 10 verse 23, Exodus chapter 11 verses 6 and 7 as it is written. They saw not one another, neither rose any from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings, and there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that you may know how the Lord puts a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. You see, when you can't see and recognize distinction between the people of the God of Israel and the world, that's a characteristic of exile. When you see a distinction between the God of Israel and the world, that is a characteristic of redemption. Malachi chapter 3 verses 17 and 18, speaking of the redemption of the end of days. And they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son that serves him. Then shall you return and discern between the righteous and the wicked, between him that serves God and him that serves him not. So this is what happened in Egypt. This is what will happen in the end of days. In between, there's period of exile. In exile, it's hard to distinguish the difference between the people of the God of Israel and the world. But with redemption and judgment against those who do not serve the God of Israel, this distinction becomes clear who serves the God of Israel and who does not. Historically, among the ten plagues was a plague of hail. This is foreshadowing that in the judgment of the end of days, specifically in the battle between Gog and Magog, the God of Israel judges Gog and Magog with hail. 
In the Midrash Rabbah, volume 3, page 144, the Sanchino version, it says, Behold, tomorrow about this time will I cause it to rain a very grievous hail. That is Exodus chapter 9 and verse 18. It goes on to say, Such has not been in all the land of Egypt. But such has not been, that is, had not been in the past, but it will be in the time to come. When? In the days of Gog and Magog, as it is written, Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 22, that an overflowing shower and great hailstone, fire and brimstone, comes upon Gog and Magog. So in Ezekiel chapter 38, verse 18 and 22, when the God of Israel judges Gog and Magog, this is what it says. It will come to pass at the same time when Gog will come against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury shall come up in my face. And I will plead against him. Didn't the God of Israel plead with Pharaoh? I will plead with him with pestilence and with blood. Isn't this what happened in Egypt? And I will rain upon him and upon his bands and upon the many people that are with him an overflowing rain, great hailstone, fire, and brimstone. Isn't this what happened in Egypt? What happened in Egypt foreshadows of what will happen in the future. Now, another pattern that we have of exile and redemption is after the ten plagues hit Egypt. Then the children of Israel came out of Egypt. That is a foreshadowing that his people will return from the lands where they've been scattered after he judges the nations or in the midst of judging the nations. Let's look historically how the children of Israel left Egypt after the ten plagues. Exodus chapter 12 verses 29-31. It came to pass that at midnight. When did it happen? At midnight. What does midnight foreshadow? The tribulation. It came to pass at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne under the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night which foreshadows tribulation. He and all his servants and all the Egyptians and there was a great cry in Egypt for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night foreshadowing the tribulation and said rise up and get you forth from among my people both you and the children of Israel and go serve the Lord as you have said so the redemption of his people comes during the tribulation period when he's judging the nations a nation that gets judged in the end of days in the context of the judgment upon all the nations is there's a judgment that comes upon Babylon in Jeremiah chapter 50 verses 1 and 3 through 5 it is written the word that the Lord spake against Babylon and against the land of the Chaldeans by Jeremiah the prophet for out of the north there comes up a nation against her which shall make her land desolate and none shall dwell therein they shall remove and they shall depart both man and beast notice we're told first about a judgment that comes upon Babylon which is analogous to the judgments that came upon Egypt. What happens after these judgments upon Babylon? Verses 4 and 5. In those days and in that time, which is an idiomatic expression for the end of days, the children of Israel shall come, they and the children of Judah together, going and weeping. They will go and seek the Lord their God. They shall ask the way to Zion with their faces thitherward, saying, Come and let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that will not be forgotten. Notice, 
Babylon gets judged, and then his people's leaving Babylon. Jeremiah chapter 51, verses 49 and 50. As Babylon has caused the slain of Israel to fall, so at Babylon shall fall the slain of all the earth. You who have escaped the sword that comes upon Babylon, once you escape it, once the judgment comes upon Babylon, let Jerusalem come to your mind. Well, that's going to conclude part six of the series on the subject, Patterns of Exile and Redemption in Exodus. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.